everybody. Thanks so much for coming to Comedy on Vinyl this week. Uh, we have a very special guest this week, Jordan Morris. You probably know him as the co-host of Jordan Jesse Go, um, or from Fuel TV. He was kind enough to stop by and talk about the Might Be Giants flood. Uh, before we get to the episode, though, I want to make sure that you know where to find him. First of all, on Twitter, he's at Jordan underscore Morris. Uh, also, find him on MaximumFun.org. That's where you can find Jordan Jesse Go, which is uh, his podcast with Jesse Thorne. He is also uh, the writer on a new Maximum Fun podcast called International Waters. Uh, it's a game show. Hopefully, they'll have some more episodes up soon. He's also in Up, 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 which is a sketch group over at UCB. So if you're in Los Angeles and you want to check that out, go to LosAngeles.UCBTheater.com and uh, look up those shows. So, again, a very big thank you to Jordan Morris, and please enjoy this episode. Minimum wage! What do you mean? This is it. I don't know what you're talking about. Starting yeah. over. This is the... yeah. So welcome to warm up. We got loose. Oh, it's nice. Well, welcome to comedy on vinyl, everybody. This hey, week. Who wants a beer? Oh, I do. Quite frankly, uh, you want a beer? Anybody? Do we have some stuff? We have beer. Yeah, some beer. Yeah, let's beer. do this. <sighs> this is embarrassing. Hey, it's tech. Yeah, it's it tech. Yeah, I know. Whatever. Um, so, uh, this week, Jen is here, but she's in the next room. Mike is here. Yes. And Jordan Morris is here. Hi, guys. And uh, Jordan's been kind enough to stick around for the last 20 minutes while uh, we talked and got ready. You know, we rehearsed. That's what we had. That was a rehearsal. We're going to be talking about They Might Be Giants Flood this week, and uh, we talked about... Uh, Let's, let's, uh, I guess let's Are start. we the only podcast that rehearses a full episode before yeah. we yeah. do it? Yeah, well, we're professionals. You guys, do you guys rehearse a full episode before sure. you Sure no, well, no. we we don't uh, we you don't, don't rehearse Jordan oh, okay. Jesse go beforehand, but that's probably why it's uh, it's it's bad. <laughs> <laughs> so I think this is I think I think uh, I think we're gonna find that this is gonna go super smooth, and I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and steal your rehearsal idea for the <laughs> podcast. Yeah, that's a good idea. Just uh, just turn the mics off the whole time for the first twenty minutes. Everybody's loose. They're good. Beer's coming. That's exciting. Yeah. Um, so. Let's let's start from the beginning then. Why you you were a little you weren't you were a little reticent to pick They Might Be Giants because it's not a strictly comedy album. Yeah, you know, uh, thank you um, very much. Um, yeah, I think I think They Might Be Giants fans all have a little bit of self consciousness in them because people who don't know the band, mm-hmm. who may know some of their hits, who maybe know Istanbul, not Constantinople, and Particle Man and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. If that's all you know of They Might Be Giants. You maybe just think they're a novelty band. Sure. Like, if someone said They Might Be Giants is my favorite band and you didn't know it, it would be like an adult saying, oh, my favorite band is Weird Al. Yeah. Right. Or Alan Sherman, bro, <laughs> who recorded Hello Mudda, Hello Fada. Um, so, yeah, I think, and I, I think you know, like, fans, uh, you know, regard them as a really smart, really clever um Philosophical. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, A group, but I think that is something that the, you know, the casual fan doesn't get. Sure. So I was definitely a little bit worried, because this podcast is about comedy albums, uh, kind of labeling it as a comedy album, but I think it's, you know, it is funny enough and, you know, is... You know, widely liked in the comedy community, so sure. I thought it would be fun. Yeah, there, there's a lot of crossover with them. I mean, it, it, I think it's okay if it's a funny album. There are plenty of wonderful, like Queen makes funny albums, at least to me. They're, they're, they're most of what they do is funny because and they're, they're awesome. very self-conscious. <laughs> um, well, yeah, of course, yeah. it's brilliant, but you know, it's really self-conscious, and they're like they know who they are. They're very confident in, in their you know mm-hmm. in, in their music and and their lyrics. Um, 
And let's uh, let's talk about the first time you heard this album. Yeah, absolutely. Um, this was uh, it was freshman year of high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, my friend Joey Hurley made me a cassette tape, mm-hmm. um, and uh, Joey Hurley was an interesting character to me. He was a guy who uh, who I was in drama club with, mm-hmm. um, and he had an older brother who was also uh, who was who was a geek, but an older mm-hmm. brother. He kind of. Um, I feel like there's the the geek stuff of a generation, and then there is the just kind of geek canon. Sure. Uh, that includes Doctor Who, right. Star right. Trek, Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. And I think They Might Be Giants is yeah. is kind of in, in that canon. And yeah. I think that, you know, um, the, it, it's important to have uh, an older geek saying, like, to leave hey, you the way for you. Hey, I know it's I know it's 1996, <laughs> and you kids are into ska now. Right. But here is something lasting. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and yeah, so I definitely I remember getting that tape, and um, and, and I was still kind of figuring out what music to be into. And as I mentioned, I was into ska music sure. because uh, that was uh, what a goofy kid liked at the time. Of course, but. Um, uh, it, it was nice because even uh, I, I liked it so much because it wasn't dark and it wasn't sentimental. Like it was goofy and fun, yeah. which was kind of more who I was. Sure, uh, I was not a kid who had a lot of feelings. <laughs> uh, if you showed me a card with someone having an emotion, I could not identify that emotion. Um, I don't know. They look funny. They're making a face. Yeah, they're making a face. Yeah, they're probably hungry. <laughs> So as a you know as a kid who never like connected much to music about love yeah. or you know like like the angst of like a Soundgarden or Nirvana which yeah. was also an option that was presented to me right. like I connected to stuff that was more goofy and fun yeah. but it was nice to have they might be giants who were actually singing about something and they were intelligent and a little bit dark so sure. it was nice to have like you know something like that. So, it, did it did it feel weird to you? I know it did to me a little bit to not I the same way I was not in Nirvana at all. Yeah, and me any of that stuff and I I didn't get it and to the point where I think I started trying to actively hate it because I, I, I knew I didn't like it so I wanted to make sure I never liked it, which has changed I, I would say in recent years where I can appreciate it. But I mean, yeah, I get Mike, how were you socially I know you were socially awkward. You were socially it, retarded. Mine was completely I think that's like, I think if you are hosting a podcast, yep. it's kind of a given. Okay, thank you. I have right, rejected in a house lot, with three cats. Not, not a lot of oh. fuck machines <laughs> getting the podcast. Uh, I had rejected that they might to be. To be fair, you guys seem like you two are fuck machines. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You can't the bedroom's closed. You cannot oh, see yeah. swings. Yeah. Multiple. Multiple swings. If we open the door, just a cloud of leather cloud of fuck Fuck dust. Fuck essence. I think it might be fuck dust. Yeah, sometimes yeah. they, they put well. towels underneath the door just so you, when they have guests over, you can't Nothing smell walk. the fuck. Yeah, yeah, exactly, sure. Yeah. All right, I'm done. <laughs> I actually rejected They Might Be Giants when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Um, when I first heard it, there mm-hmm. was this cafe me and my friends used to go to because I had a bunch of pool tables and we could hang out and drink sodas and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And this is, I was in a hardcore gangster rap. Mm. Of course, you what I liked. Yeah. Yes. And it's funny because I'm the same person I was. Sure. But, like, my musical taste had to be the darkest type of stuff. Yeah. And then when I got into rock music and became a singer for a band, when they said, hey, we have this song by Rage Against the Machine, I was like, I don't know who they are. And I listened to them, like, that's rap. I can do it. Uh-huh. And this is going to sound racist, but the next song we sang with this band, they said, will you sing a Jimi Hendrix song? Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, I don't know. And I listened to it and I was like, Jimi Jimi Hendrix is black, sure. That's uh-huh. literally what I said. And I was like, I will sing this. All right. And it wasn't until later that I was like, you know, I don't have to try to, to do this darker music. Not that Hendrix was you dark, dark. dark. You know wow. what I mean? No, not, 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 well not that they were dark or like, you know, it's not metal I was mm-hmm. listening to. It was more edgy. I was okay. trying to find an edge. Growing uh-huh. up in suburbia with liberal parents who are open. Yeah. And my dad's a drummer in a rock band. Mm-hmm. How do you rebel? Mm-hmm. So it's like... Rap music. Right. <laughs> he plays right. rock. I'll listen to rap. Yeah. So it wasn't until college that I started listening to Daily Might Be Giants, where I was really, really? like, I was like, I don't right. have to be cynical. Like life doesn't have to be dark and sure. disturbing. And especially since I wasn't, I'm trying to put on a facade. Right. I used to wear a big necklace that said Africa. 
I am not lying. Just the text Africa? Or no, it had a, really like the, the it had a picture of Africa. No, it had a picture of the continent of Africa. You mean the song by Toto. <laughs> great song by Toto. Yes, I'm drinking my yeah. I did, I wore that. I mean, I just trying to rebel. So you're thinking of Asia. I took my... Yes. yes saying the final countdown. Yes. All the places over there that I yeah. haven't been to. I, uh, I took my um, microphone from my karaoke machine that I had, and it was gold. And I cut the, cord, was, cut the cold out, cord off it, I drilled a hole in it, and put a gold chain around it, so I had a gold <laughs> microphone. What age was How old were you when you were Probably doing this? 13 or 14. That's great. Yeah, that's great. Any older, that would be so pathetic. Yeah, that's true. When you were 13 and doing that, that's fucking awesome. And then right when it was right when Rage Against the Machine came out, I was like, I went in the opposite direction. I was like, this is, I like this sort of stuff. And yeah. And then you ended up in a ska band. Yeah, I ended up playing a ska band for seven Interesting. What was did your did your ska band have ska in the title? No, we were called Stu. S T E W? S T U. We okay. had me, you know, with you a had, little umlaut. You thing. had oh, checkers yeah. somewhere in your album cover. Though, right? Yeah, yeah. Well one oh, album. Okay. Our first album was called Live from the Recording Studio, which you can get oh, on iTunes cute. still. So you see what we did there? I don't do. Sorry to get this that, but I rejected it. That's what I'm a point I was trying to get to, sorry. Is yeah. I rejected it because I thought that music couldn't be couldn't be intelligent. I mean, not that... I hate to say that. I just didn't understand how intelligent it was, is what right. I'm trying to say. Because well, we I heard it, and there was a girl who loved it at that cafe, and she kept trying to play it. I'm like, turn this crap off. And I you could have got it. some, Mike. But then in college... I know. Then in college, somebody oh, plays yeah. it, and I'm like, hey, I know all this stuff. And automatically, yeah. I already knew it, because I had heard it so many right. times. Yeah. yeah, I think that when you are... Uh, when you are, uh, you know, definitely like high school... Uh, is a time when you're really hard line about what you like. Oh, yeah. I wish yeah. I like. I wish I could go back and tell my high school self, like, loosen up. yeah, loosen up, like, enjoy <laughs> some pop, like, learn some of the pop music yeah. of your day, like, right, right. maybe get a TLC album, thirteen year old Jordan. Um, Should we tell him that the first single I bought was TLC's Waterfalls? Oh, really? Oh, amazing. Uh, no, not amazing. <laughs> no, you know what? That That is actually some good shit. Like, All right. Like, you can deny it. Now, some of the other shit you bought on the single is Real just Real McCoy's Another Night? It had well, four really mixes easy. of Real You're McCoy's not one of the only people singles. who bought it. At least yeah. you can dance to that. The Waterfall single is considered the, the best-selling... Uh, hip hop single of all time. So mm-hmm. you're not the That's only one. Was it a cuss single? <laughs> it was not. It was a CD single. Okay. I do have a couple cuss singles. One was a blues traveler one, I believe. Nice singles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I definitely like if I could go back and do it again, would not would tell myself not to just hate music on principle because uh-huh. of its genre. Right. Because yeah. Uh, yeah, to this day, like I still don't like. I couldn't tell you the title of a Tupac song. Right. And that is definitely something that I just can't bond with people over right. because I just inherently didn't like it because it wasn't the genre of music that I liked. Yeah, so. I'm, I'm still the same way. Not to put too fine a point on it Say I'm the only bee in your bonnet Make a little birdhouse in your soul I have a secret to tell From my electrical well It's a simple And I, on the other hand, could name every album with track listings of Tupac, oh, because yeah. that's what I listen like, to. No, this one is... <laughs> you do have Thug Life. I have Thug Life tattooed right, right, right here, yeah, yeah. I yeah. thought, maybe. Okay. Yeah. The well, beer gut's starting to <laughs> make it... <laughs> that's sexy. Boy. Um, so, what we were talking about then was um, that you kind of like They Might Be Giants more not... Because it's not necessarily comedy music, but it is funny. It was right. more the feel of it, more the fact that it was not—it uh, was dark, maybe thematically, but not in you know the sound or the feel of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we started talking about uh, what I wanted to get into was like kind of characters, comedic characters that have maybe reflected that. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah, it's definitely you know hard to to do comedy writing or performing in the style of They Might Be Giants because sure. yeah. it is so 
dense and mm-hmm. strange and kind of intentionally confusing sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that they do write from the point of view of characters a lot. Yeah. Um, uh, on Flood, particularly, there's there's dead, there's someone keeps moving my chair, um, and those are all about, like, those are all from the point of view of a kind of a tragic, irredeemable character. Um, yeah. We were talking about twisting. Is yeah, it she's, she's psychotic, and she just wants to eliminate him in any way possible, and she's doing it with as much glee as she can. Yeah, it she's is. She's just done with it. She doesn't want anything from him, but for him to die... And see him up in a tree or something. Yeah, it is kind of like the ode to the world's worst romantic partner. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but, 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 like, if somebody listened to it that didn't know what was going on, was the first time they heard they might be giants, they'd just be like, oh, you can dance this, you know? It's like... Right. It's really poppy, and it's got so much energy, but it's just, like, super dark. Yeah, yeah, it is about a really awful character. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And, yeah, and I think that is something that I gravitate toward, is, like, is, you know, comedy that isn't about... You know, like it's less it's less friends and more Seinfeld. Mm-hmm. Like Seinfeld is about, you know, uh awful people who do oh. not learn or grow. Sure. And you can kind of like laugh at their awfulness. Mm-hmm. Um and not that you don't sympathize with any they might be giants characters, but they are more you know, they are more dark. It's like if yeah. it was a sitcom they wouldn't all hug at the end and talk <laughs> about what they've learned. Right. Um, so yeah, and I think that is definitely comedy that I, that I gravitate towards, and it seems a little more authentic than mm-hmm. the, well, what have we all learned right, type right. of... Uh, Those characters are almost like, like, I'm such a character, I'm stuck in an infinite loop. Yeah, sure, well, and that's the bonus <laughs> of listening to a song every time, too. I have too. patterns to it. Yeah, yeah, God, I know, and that's, uh, and that's, I mean, God, I mean, I, I, this is one, re-listening to the album to prepare for this, like, um, that song... Dead, I think, was the one that I kept re-listening to a lot. And then mm-hmm. there's the, like, there's the line, uh, now it's over, I'm dead, and I haven't done anything that I want, or I'm still alive, and there's nothing I want to do. Yeah. <laughs> it's just that, like, Ugh. kind of... And I like the metaphor, like, like coming back is, like, like what he's coming back as is so pointless a bag and of groceries. stupid. It's, yeah. like, it's yeah. like, there's nothing it's going to do in the world. It might feed... Somebody, if they recognize that it's not gone bad because it's just a bag of groceries sitting there for whatever reason, like, there's nothing it's going to... It's pointless. Yeah, and it is about... Yeah, it is totally... Um, it, 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 the kind of the, the, the thesis of They Might Be Giants, if you kind of look at all their songs... And this, I don't know if they've said this or not, but this is totally how it seems to me. It's mm-hmm. kind of like... Well, everything's a little bit silly and meaningless, and we're all fucked, kind of. So, but let's have fun with that yeah. idea. So, yeah. so why not make things silly and fun? Yeah, I think it's like it's almost like well, if it all means basically nothing. You might as well have a good time while you're. Yeah, it is a kind yeah. of a delightful nihilism. It's yeah. like a yeah. fun, delightful it's very irreverent. nihilism. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I uh, and I don't know, and that is. Yeah, and that is interesting. That is something that, like, the teenage brain responds to, I think, a lot. Yeah. But, um, uh, so yeah, anyway. No, well, then what, what, are there any characters that you can think of off the top of your head that reflect that for you? Because I can think of, you know, going back to Alan Brady, even. That's a character that's really delightful, but he's a piece of shit. <laughs> uh, on the Dick Van Dyke show. Oh, okay. The boss, uh, yeah. Carl Reiner's character, or going up to, like, my, my two favorite, either... Phil Silvers is probably my favorite. Sergeant Bilko is probably my favorite character of all time. But then okay. there's like uh, Phil Hartman in News Radio is maybe nah he's probably my favorite. But uh, just, yeah, Bill McNeil on News Radio is sure. probably my favorite character ever. Um, I don't know if you watched it. No, he's much. yeah, absolutely. We absolutely. did we, we yeah we did a whole we did, we did a whole special on about Phil Hartman and that that was what, what got me thinking about that again too was just that assholes with a heart of gold are probably my favorite characters ever. Yeah, definitely. And, like, if you look at, uh, God, one of my favorite shows right now is Archer. Uh-huh, yeah. And that is a show that's populated populated by, like, selfish characters who grow very little. Yeah. Um, but you don't, but it's not about hating them, you know? Right. Like, I think when we, you describe a character as being irredeemable mm-hmm. or, um, you know, one that is without a lot of growth, yeah. you don't like them. But, sure. like, you know, it's like, <laughs> most people change very, very gradually. Yeah. And I think that is a little bit more realistic. Like, even though Archer is crazy, yeah. and um, 
you know, the things that happen are so dark and so extreme, mm-hmm. it does seem a little bit more true to life, you know? Yeah. That, that um, he would just go back to who he is at the end. <laughs> right, that everybody is kind of essentially the way they are. Just a slight... Sure. Mike, is there any characters that you that are, you know, your favorites as far as that? No? None? Can't think None. of anything? No, no, no. You don't like characters? comedy? I, no, no. <laughs> I, I'm just agreeing with you guys. I don't really have anything to add at this point. We should not have given I'll you beer. That's going to happen. <laughs> you don't get interesting when you're drinking? That's fine. No, no. Um, She's loud. She's like a trooper. You see how fast she drank that? I don't know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we were also talking about, Mike, uh, just, you know, that experience of sitting down with an album. Jordan, you said you listened to it yeah. driving a lot. Yeah, definitely. It was a, it was a cassette tape mm-hmm. uh, was, was the first, uh, was the first uh, thing I had flood on. And yeah, and I, and I, I got my, um, my first car it was an 85 Nissan Maxima mm-hmm. with tape deck. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that was kind of where I spent the most private time with it was, you know, just kind of driving around and, and listening to it until it got warped, so... Sure. Uh, there's, uh, uh, I think we, we... We already trod over the whole talking about having an album in your hands um, is being very important to you, Mike. I'm sure you've talked about that with us before, but... Um, uh, <clears throat> give me one second. Uh, I love... I miss tapes, too. I, lo- I miss the... the, the w- Somebody making you a tape and mix tapes. Even somebody makes you a mix CD. I mean, they don't even do that as much anymore. The art of making it isn't the same. When you Mm -hmm. make like a mix tape, when you were sitting down to record that tape, it was like it was a gift because it took a while. It took time. Yeah, you know, even on high speed dubbing, it would take. 40 minutes if the album was an hour and a half. You yeah. Know? It's like, you really have to like this person yeah, <laughs> to absolutely. make up a tape. Yeah. No, it really, it really meant something. Even if they just straight up recorded like an album they thought was really important that like, you should have, it's like, you wanted me to grow as a person. Mm-hmm. Like, even if this is just silly stuff that's going to make me laugh or... This is like something that you had thought had a good beat. It doesn't matter. Like you wanted me to have something that you experienced. Yeah. Like by yourself or whatever. That meant something to you, and you wanted me to have it. Like that's awesome. Was that? I mean, did that make this album critical to you in any way? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that definitely made it super important because it was like a you know kind of a gesture of friendship. And uh, the the guy who gave it to me was a year older, so it was mm-hmm. a little bit yeah. of like. Hey kid, check this out. You know, yeah, there, it, it, yeah it did. It did feel like feel like a gesture of acceptance. Yeah. So um, yeah, the fact that it was a gift definitely made it um, made it all the more important. And it's 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 funny, like listening to like I've I, I have I think every They Might Be Giants album, and mm-hmm. I keep up with them, and I even buy the new one. Sure. Um, and kind of re just re listening to flood from beginning to end to prepare for this mm-hmm. uh it's god it's not their best album yeah um no. and no but it's, but it's, it's the so one that's the most important to me yeah you know like i would say that the album before and the one after mm-hmm. uh lincoln and apollo 18 are both easily you know front to back better albums uh-huh. but this one will always just be super sentimental you know yeah well and if you have memories with it with other people or even like just thoughts you had about it when you were listening to it by yourself it's like you can't really replace that i Mm. don't think and again i don't think if if i had liked again mike did you like nirvana when it it was a thing yeah yeah after yeah Um, after he died okay yeah i didn't get into it until after kurt i just don't do you do you have i i just for me it feels like something like they might be giants or something like for me comedy has it's easier to associate more nice happy memories with, or uh, th- those memories stick out to me more than if I had really loved something dark and depressing like Nirvana. I don't. <laughs> uh, do you have any great memories? Well, I went a, from like, no, not really. I mean, just just being in college. I because right when I got into college, Kurt Cobain had already died. Sure. Nirvana had already, you know, been, been killed. Been, you mean? Yeah, he was murdered. <laughs> <laughs> After he was murdered. In cold blood. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, I, someone, maybe you'll be able to speak to this. Someone told me recently that one of the theories is that Tupac's brother died, and he's the one that was in the casket, and that the real Tupac sense. is living somewhere. But him and, and Big E are living in, like, Cuba or something. Right. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Oh, amazing. 
That, that would well, be we can't go there and chat. No, I haven't there's, heard that. I haven't kept up on my Tupac <laughs> conspiracy theory <laughs> yeah. stuff lately. I can... I just, you know, the next time you have a lazy Sunday. Yeah, I will. I'll be... Just go on and... <laughs> I have connections. I can check them out for you. Really? Yeah, I'll give you tea. Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm not allowed to say what you no. do. Oh, that's right. Okay. <laughs> I went right from... Not if we want to speak the way we want to speak. <laughs> that's true. Okay. Yes. Yeah. I returned a bag of groceries accidentally taking off the shelf before the expiration date. I came back as a bag of groceries accidentally taking off the shelf before the day stamped on my sand. Did a large procession wave their torches as my head fell in the basket. Everybody dancing on the casket And now it's here, I'm dead And I haven't done anything that I want Or I'm still alive And there's nothing I want to do I will never say the word procrastinate again I'll never see myself in the mirror with my eyes closed I went right from listening to, uh... Nirvana and, and more alternative rock stuff. Um, mm-hmm. When I went to Lollapalooza in '96, I went and I went to see Metallica. That was my goal was to really? see Metallica. <laughs> and this, the Ramones were playing on the first stage. Uh-huh. And if I had been the person I am now, you I would have been like, "This is Ramones. amazing, sure, yeah. the Ramones." Yeah. But at the time, I'm going, "I hate the Ramones. I hate this punk stuff." That's what I said. Oh, I sure. went to the second stage, and on the second stage, the first. <laughs> stop of their tour uh-huh. on the second stage was the band that changed my life forever when Ben Fold started playing piano uh-huh. on the second stage my musical taste changed yeah. immediately yeah. I was awesome. like yep yeah, it was immediately and that's when eventually within 97 I started I got into They Might Be Giants like I started to listen to that stuff I was like okay it doesn't have to all be dark and cynical sure. and I can appreciate that stuff I still like Metallica you know I don't listen to it all the time but I still like it and realize how amazing their moans are and like mm-hmm. I'm so happy I was very sheltered <laughs> as far as music goes when I was yeah. when I was young. Have you seen them live, Jordan? They might be jazz, yeah, a ton. Yeah, a ton. A yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah. The first time I saw them was for the, um, they had a live album called Severe Tire Damage, yeah. Yeah. Uh, where they uh, play all their songs with a big horn section. They're so good. Yeah, the album, they're so that good. That album is terrific. So is the horn section part of the the, the group, or were they? It, it's not. The they kind of change up okay. uh, how they tour, mm-hmm. um, which is a great reason to re-see them. And they sure. always like mm-hmm. you know kind of uh, change up the uh, the kind of hit songs a lot. Um, oh, this is fun. On uh, Conan O'Brien, they played a song off their new album, but just mm-hmm. for the web. Uh, they did this really weird um, version of Anna Ng. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that is kind of weird and dissonant and has all this kind of dark noise in it. It's cool. It is really, really great. So I think I think definitely, uh, if you're a fan of that song, uh, make sure to look at that yeah, live web performance. Right, yeah, it was. Yeah, okay. it was really, really good. Um, so yeah, they definitely kind of change up their tour, uh, you know, their touring... Uh, line up a lot, so it's definitely a cool reason to see them a bunch, which I had. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that time they they had this kind of big uh, brass section, which as a ska fan, it was nice to sure. be like, yeah. "Oh, good, this still has horns. Like I don't have to freak out." <laughs> oh, good, there's still at least ten people on stage, <laughs> so I was comfortable. It was not out of my comfort zone. I only need to know who a couple of these people are, and that's how it should be. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. I think I saw them live only once, and that was, uh, and I shoved this in Jen's face as often as I can, so I'm a bad person. <laughs> but yeah. it wasn't, okay, to be fair, it's not the greatest time. A, I'm seeing it live on Conan, but the original, like, the the, the, the late night show, uh, it was like in 2000. That's great. That's yeah. even cooler. Well, right? it was. It was Andy's second to last show, too, so that was kind of good. <laughs> um, but they were playing the Malcolm in the Middle theme song, so it's not like their greatest music. Oh, funny. But yeah, they won their, it's they won a really good Grammy song, though. That's just right. because we had to hear it too many times doesn't No, make it's a good it song. It's a good song. A bad song. I, I'm it just saying. It taste in my mouth. Because it's related to yeah. Brian Cranston, because you hate him, right? What? You hate Brian Cranston. Who's that? He's the he's dad from Back Up in the Middle, and who and is now on Breaking Bad. On Breaking Bad, so that's another reason you don't like him. You don't like Bad. I'm not gonna hold the mechanic and drive everything. Against. Yes, the mechanic. That's where, where I go. Is that where you go? <laughs> that's right, that's good. Yeah. I go dentist from Seinfeld. That's, oh, that's yes. my, yes. my wow. first thought. But yeah. Um, 
What are we talking about? Seeing they might have you, have you seen them live? I've Mike? never seen them live. No. no. Ska no. bands? Have you seen a lot of ska bands? I've live? seen a lot of ska bands. Yeah, who did you guys did you guys open for anybody big? Yeah, yeah, we were? played with the Boss Tones. What? Great. Awesome. That's awesome. Catch twenty two. Yeah, Catch Twenty Two with the new singer and then Catch Twenty Two with the original singer who's now part of the Streetlight Manifesto, which is basically the same band. Yeah, uh-huh. we played with them. So I saw a lot of those, a lot of those bands. We used to play with this band called Perfect Thyroid, which is a pretty big ska band in New York. They were awesome. Yeah, they were great. And uh, we bought all their equipment on their live show. They had uh-huh. us open for them for their live show. Yeah. And we just after the show, they were like, "Just buy it all." We were like, "Awesome!" So we bought all their stuff. So I saw a lot of. I, I miss. I I love the ska scene. It's just. It's kids having fun and uncynical. Like I'm saying, cynicism is everywhere in art today. Everything is cynical. And it's like, you can have humor and you can have um, good music and and intelligent art without being so freaking cynical. To be fair, Ska is not intelligence. (laughs) (laughs) No, you're right. But but no, no. You know what I saw? I saw something on the internet the other day that really warmed my heart. This Uh was uh, kind of shaky phone camera footage mm-hmm. um, of some sort of school event. I mean, I think, I, you know, it could be a spring fling or, mm-hmm. a, or a, you know, end-of-year barbecue or something. It was some, some school event. Uh, it's in the Midwest somewhere. Mm-hmm. The band is Lady Skaga. <laughs> it, is a, nice. it is a bunch of high school kids playing ska versions of All Lady right. Gaga songs. Oh, that's, that's pretty awesome. cool. Uh, awesome. Fucking look it up on YouTube yes, and just... I will. And, and feel <laughs> delighted about the future. That's pretty amazing. Oh, There's hope awesome. for the future. That's and they amazing. could not sound more like a mid-90s ska band. Yeah. They've awesome. this kind of girl singer who's like, you know, in a little rockabilly dress. Yeah. And they are fucking having a great time. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, awesome. And, I mean, have ska in the name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, just perfect. Yeah. Uh, awesome. See, well, that, again, and I think we're getting to sort of uh, we're getting to the core of it is, is that just sort of like beautiful enjoyment of life while you can I mean that, and that's like again that's what Sky is it may not be quote unquote intelligent yeah. necessarily but um, not that there are not great musicians of course oh, yeah, of yeah. course no it's not, they're not smart people but it's, it's the kind of music that it's you know <laughs> right. yeah, it's yeah. I know what you're saying and but it, that, that's again is there I guess is there comedy that that can be as gleeful and intelligent I mean just off the top of your head like what are there any Group, sketch groups or, or movies or TV shows that sort of are as gleeful maybe as something like that or as they might be giants but still as deep or dark. Yeah, God, well, I mean, if you look, just look at, you know, just everything on Adult Swim sure. is so, yeah. you know, it is so crazy and just all about, you know, id, mm-hmm. um, but is, you know, so, so funny. Um, so, yeah, definitely, like, like that is great and... Um, Ooh, excuse me, I belched a little bit. Oh, nice. That's good. Um, I'll, I'll and yeah, definitely something that kind of rides that line between, you know, funny and dark and also intelligent. If you look at, like, Kids in the Hall, sure. like, mm-hmm. that was a great yeah. example of something that has all of those completely, qualities yeah. Completely at once. silly and, com- like, there's dark parts, there's... Why not? Let's... Tr- Try yeah. this and see what like happens. What, like taking yeah. chances that people really total chances. Like what comedy group has a more cynical view of humanity than Kids in the Hall? Sure. Like, but it <coughs> it, it, it it but it never comes off as angry. Right. Mm-hmm. No, that's exactly yeah. It's yeah. like well, yeah, we realize humanity is ridiculous and we're all yeah. fucked. We realize that, sure. but it doesn't but. it doesn't seem like they're not having a great time. Yeah. 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 I um, think Monty Python does that too. I think sure. that they did, you know, they didn't they didn't care how they looked or anything, and they just they just went for it. Yeah, and, I mean, and they did, showed how ridiculous people are. They did break barriers like that. Or, I'm, I'm kind of excited to see what uh, Chris Hardwick does with the new Kids in the Hall stuff that's going on yeah. his channel. Me too. I don't. Do Me you too. know anything about it other than he well, just the kids announced in the hall? it? Yeah, yeah. No, they've been working on it uh, a while, and the original Kids in the Hall found a whole new cast and. They've been doing it for a while. We have him out, a whole new cast. Kids in the Hall? Kids in the Hall. Yeah. yeah. Dave Foley, etc. They got, yeah, they got... They didn't get a whole new cast. We they know. got, they got, you know, kids, so mm-hmm. that it would still be kids mm-hmm. in the Hall. Uh-huh. Are you just making a stupid joke? No. I yes, have, you are. I have, I have babies. They're babies. They're babies. The kids in the Hall babies. Year or two. <laughs> they don't have a new cast. Huh? They don't have a new cast. Oh, they're doing they're doing stuff still. Yes. What are you talking okay. about? <laughs> it's the same cast. All right. Well, I'll show you something. Uh, All right. I don't know what you're talking uh, about. I didn't see the nerdist part. So if they're okay. doing it still, that's awesome. Yes. 
Uh, well, yeah, I mean, I they they periodically will do like secret shows right, right, around right. LA yeah. that are you know you the tickets come out the day before it happens yeah. and they sell out in two minutes. So I think they've always been. You know, and they did that show in Canada that yeah. they aired on IFC, I think. Yeah, I think so. I didn't um, get to see that. Yeah. So yeah, I think they're 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 still active in the. And I saw one of those secret shows a few years back, and the material was just terrific. Really? So yeah, I, I, I mean, whatever it is they end up doing, I I can't imagine it's not going to be great. Sure, yeah. sure. Um, is there any Mike? Is there any like? Sketch groups that, that uh, oh, I'm good still. You're still good. <laughs> Damn it! <Mike>. No, <laughs> no, I don't. I, I don't. I, I think that there's a lot right now with. I find that some improv um, groups, some, and this is some. I'm a big improv fan, but some improv groups have the um, energy that we're talking about. This energy and this this vibrancy. Mm-hmm. Um, but some of them get so much stuck in their heads mm-hmm. with with making sure that they follow the the rules and the games. Mm-hmm. Which they're supposed to follow, but they're so in their heads about it and trying to be so cerebral that they lose That's, some of that. Uh, yeah, it's beside the point. Yeah, yeah. And I know I hate to say that some of the groups at UCB, some of the top groups are great, but well, they're great because they're good improvisers and that's why they're the top groups. But like, I don't want to bash the, the up-and-coming... Herald teams that are trying. Think you should. Can you name a few? No. Right. <laughs> I'm gonna name the people. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, it, it, um, but there's that energy in yeah. improv. There's a there's an energy that uh, that I think comes across, and that can be translated into sketch. But I find a lot of problems with these. I'm getting off topic a little bit, but a lot of the problems I get with some of these improv groups. They're sketch groups too. You know, they do a lot of improv and then they do sketch. Well, their improv leads to sketch, but then they shut down the sketch. They're like, okay, well, we're really just an improv group, you mm-hmm. know, where it's like, oh, that's good. You could run with that and make a great sketch. It was funny as an improv. You sure. did a great job here live in front of us, but I think there's something more there that you can run with, mm-hmm. and they don't take that energy and continue forward, so. Yeah, if that's that a, makes that's sense. That's a nice rant. Thank you all. <laughs> <laughs> um, she said you're both free, and now she's What about your own sketch group then, Jordan? Uh, you know, just talk about them. Yeah, sure. Um, I'm in a sketch group at UCB called Up, 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 mm-hmm. and they've actually been around for years. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of a recent addition to the group. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I was always a fan. They were they're really really funny guys. Um, who uh, yeah, they do. They there's a lot of like uh, there's a lot of parody in the group. There's a lot of like genre and media parody, mm-hmm. um, which I think sometimes gets a bad rap for just you know being referency. But they're real, real smart about it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I've just been really pleased with the the work we've done, and like uh, you know, definitely feel like when I'm writing with them, it's it's I feel like I'm I'm uh, I'm working to keep up. Yeah, and that's a great. Feeling cool. in, Do you uh, write and perform with the group? Or? Uh, no, I write more. Okay. Um, perform sometimes, but mm-hmm. uh, the way these UCB groups work yeah. is that there's a uh, set of writers and then there's a cast that you're uh-huh. writing for. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. How the hell do you pull off good parody on stage? That's my question. I, I mean, I actually think that would be more challenging on stage rather than with a fucking video camera, because that's what I'm used to, just shooting parody. Yeah, like, I mean, it, parodies, parodies need on video just because, like, there's edit. you know, if you're shooting sure. a reality show parody, there's, a, you know, there's an editing technique, and there's yeah. a certain, you know, when something's wacky, you yeah. use pizzicato music. Sure. Right. When someone's being goofy. Um, <laughs> you can change the, the way the camera looks or the angles you shoot at to, sure. to parody it with the visual style, too. Well, exactly. Yeah. yeah, I think, you know, just with, with, with when you're doing it on stage, it's just like, oh, you know, just make it about the dialogue. Make the dialogue in the style of what you're parodying. Sure. And then just don't make it too complicated. Right. You know, because, uh, yeah, I think sometimes you're, you know, you're tempted to write something with a lot of, like, 
cuts that you simulate with lights up and lights down. Right, see, that's and what I was so yeah, just keep it, just kind of keep it simple. Just make it more dialogue based than anything. Is there any music that you listen to while writing, in particular? Um, no, you know, I'm I'm big on. Um, excuse me. I'm big on kind of TV as white noise. Really? Um, so yeah, I'll kind of put on a weird, uh, excuse me again, uh, it's these damn beers you brought us. One another. Um, uh, so I, um, uh, I'll just go on Netflix mm-hmm. and, um, uh, and put on a bad movie that I know I'm not going to be too interested in, okay. but can kind of like just enjoy for a little bit. Actually, the last time I was writing on Netflix, I put on Season of the Witch, oh, starring God. Nicolas Cage oh, and Ron Perlman. Oh. Nice. Because uh, always, I've always been curious about it, um, just kind of being curious about the late career of Nicolas Cage. I think, I think he could be a go-to guy for a lot of uh, writing witness. I think so, yeah, I think so, too. Uh, <laughs> I yeah, I, I may be tempted to just get a little library of, of you know, i got to get Face Off, i got to oh, get... God, yes. uh, I'm going to get 8mm, of course, just to kind of keep me company and keep me productive. Get the Ghost Rider movies. Yeah, absolutely. Um, But yeah, I find, like, with music and writing, sometimes I... Uh, sometimes I like it, but I don't like... God, I, I, I'm coming off as so anti-emotion in this podcast, <laughs> but I don't really love having a strong feeling while I'm writing, because I think it is a more brainy exercise. Sure, sure. Um, so I think if I'm listening to music and inadvertently I'm swept over with an emotion, yeah. uh, I shut down a little bit. Okay. So I think I try and keep, uh, I try and keep my background noise kind of... Uh, Ridiculous, yeah. I.e., a Nicolas Cage movie. That's that's. I've never heard of anybody doing it that way. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I I couldn't do it, but that's because I'm always afraid I'm going to be influenced. But to be fair, you're putting on something that that yeah, one would hope he'd be. What, you, what do you listen to, Jason? Uh, bad poppy shit, like really poppy shit, like yeah. Vampire Weekend poppy, like okay. like just because it's I can not ignore really it. Bad, it's not bad, but I'm just saying it's, really it's, it's not content heavy to the point where I can ignore it. But right. I, you know, it's, 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 a it's a cycle and it's right. a beat and it's it's a lot of high pitches. There's not a lot of droning shit. The Decemberists sometimes if I'm if I'm in a movie. Rock when I wrote that horror movie, I was listening to a lot of the Decemberists. And, and Wanda Jackson. And Wanda Jackson. I was, was and you wrote a, you were listening to the Decemberists and then you wrote a horror movie about a killer ascot. <laughs> <laughs> I just strangled the dandies that it was on. There's been a wave of dandy stranglings. <laughs> oh, I have two artists only that I listen to and I write. Ben Folds. Nope. No. What? Really? Angels and Airwaves. Uh-huh. Oh, right. Yes, okay. Because it's just kind of, there's a lot of music without lyrics that just kind of flows. <laughs> and Mountain Goats. What the fuck is Mountain Goats? Oh, you don't know the Mountain Goats? No, they're I don't. wonderful. They're, they're a they? wonderful band. What yeah, the first, like, six album. Kind of folky. Uh, like Iron and yeah, Wine. Yeah, kind of folky guitar, singer-songwriter Iron type of wine. stuff. Eh. No, I'm just saying, are they like Iron and Wine? Yeah, Iron. kind of. That's kind my only reference. All our first albums were all recorded on a boombox in a room by himself. Yeah, yeah. Mountain Goats are really, really yeah, funny. Really I, th- I would think that they, oh, are, yeah. they are maybe even a kind of tonally similar band to They Might Be Giants, really? only sometimes they will be really, really sad. Oh, uh-huh. uh, There's yeah, an album yeah. they wrote called Get Lonely Okay, that um, is just the most heartbreaking thing. Um, <laughs> yeah. Ever, but sometimes they get into that they might be giants kind of free association absurdity. That's yeah. Um, so yeah, they're they're actually a, a great a great group that I think carries that torch a little bit when they're not being just pulverizingly sad. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but they are like super fun. Um, you know, kind of super dense lyrics. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. John Worcester drums for them sometimes. I don't know who that is. Uh, I apologize. From the best show on WFMU and also of Super Chunk. Oh okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So. That, that, that's the reference I needed. Um, if, if actually, let's let's go back to where you were first introduced to. Uh, this is hard to nail down, but introduced sure. to comedy. Did your parents sit you down and make you listen or watch, you know, anything that was funny to them? Not or? really. My dad had um, some old vinyl, uh, so like a like a couple of Steve Martins and a couple of Bob Newharts that I discovered later, later, later. Mm-hmm. Um, and I definitely remember him sitting me down and us watching It's a Mad, 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 Mad World. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which at the time I thought was the funniest thing in yeah. the world. And came over two video cassettes because it was so really? long. Oh, yeah, so it was one of those things where it was like, there's... Yeah. Put it in another VHS tape. Yeah, little intermission section. Okay. Um, but yeah, no, my, my parents never really pushed anything on me. I mean, I think that the, the, the most important things to me growing up were The Simpsons and Mystery Science Theater. Okay. Um, who I would say are my big, 
you know, my big influence shaper. Sure. Um, so yeah, I definitely was like a Simpsons obsessive. Yeah. Uh, and like, you know, was fine spending a Friday night just sitting with a friend and seeing who could remember the most Simpsons. Right, stuff. right, right. Um, so yeah, that was, uh, those were definitely my, my jams growing up. So for comedy, you did have like, uh, that was going to be my next question. You did sort of have a, uh, did you have any friendships that grew up around comedy? Like, like, like that? I mean, you sit and you, you would back and forth with a friend, but... Yeah, I got... And, 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 and the guy I mentioned who gave me the, the Giants tape, Joey Hurley, he, you know, his his brother kind of being this, uh, kind of being this, um, you know, kind of nerd culture Obi-Wan. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which I realize is a little bit of a complicated metaphor. <laughs> it is, but it's good. Um, nerd Sherpa. Yeah, a nerd Sherpa. <laughs> guiding us up the... Guiding us up Virginity Mountain. Uh, <laughs> safely up to the, to the summit. You have to... It leaves you there and you have to figure out to how to summit get there. Of, uh, and and I, I was actually not even uh, uh, close with the brother, though I met him a couple mm-hmm. times. I just, like... I knew that he was... He was giving my friend this knowledge and then I would kind of get it second hand so he definitely had a lot of like VHS recorded cassettes of Mystery Science Theater and being like here watch this Um, which was super great for me so yeah that was definitely a comedy friendship and yeah I um, I uh, I, you know like I said I definitely just like would gravitate towards other Simpsons obsessives Mm -hmm. and like we would just sit and maybe sometimes play GoldenEye or sometimes not. Yeah, yeah. And then just sit around and see how much Simpsons stuff we could remember and make each other <laughs> laugh. Um, so yeah, and definitely, and definitely like, and then kind of later on in high school, we got like an improv class and started mm-hmm. doing little improv shows. Yeah. And then that was interesting to have people you were doing comedy with and not just appreciating comedy with. Oh, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, we, so. got, we got to do that in, in drama class. Too, yeah. You know, it was fun. Like we wrote... Me and my friend wrote funny commercials yeah. together that were, like, ridiculous. Like, one was for a mortuary. That's awesome. Door-to-door uh, mortuary service, actually. So we would embalm people, like, at your house. Oh, nice. Yeah, I wish I'd written anything that good when <laughs> Wait, I was in high did you kill the people before you embalmed no, them? No, no, no. They were, they were dead, but, like, we'd, we'd, uh, we had a couch, like, on the stage in our theater, and we, we flipped it around. Like, we had... My friend on there is the dead person, and we flipped it around. Like, we gave, like, the, the family, like, these... These knowing looks of what we were about to do, and then like we had this bag of like brown jello that we were like sort of pulling out of him. Uh, yeah, it's like his guts. And then, and then I think I think we ate some of it at one point. Oh, of course, oh, sure, you got it. It's it it kind of gold. I mean, even old New York was once New Amsterdam. Why they changed it, I can't say. People just liked it better that way. So take me back to Constantinople. No, you can't go back to Constantinople. Been a long time gone. Constantinople, why did Constantinople get the works? That's nobody's business but the Turks. Istanbul. Istanbul. New Amsterdam. Why they changed it, I can't say. You just liked it better that way. Istanbul is Constantinople. Now it's Istanbul and Constantinople. Been a long time gone. Constantinople. Yeah, but I mean, that's. And I had a lot of the similar thing. I think performing and writing with people, especially comedy, I mean, I, I don't know. I still have yet to figure out what exactly the equation is. Why comedy binds you so well? No, with but like person. when you first get. When you first get to do that with people, like at that age, it's just. It's, 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 it gets really addictive. Exactly, and I've, that's what I've been trying to recreate ever since I was 14. Yeah. I first, like, tried to teach myself improv. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Did you have anything like that? Were you, were you, were those first performing moments, like, were they important to you as far as, I mean, do, do you have, I mean, I personally, I always look back at 14 as the, the thing I'm trying to recreate, feeling like, <laughs> you know. <laughs> you peaked, you peaked yeah, at 14. exactly, that's kind of how it feels, and I'm out here trying to, I want to feel that way when I, when I perform, and sometimes I do. And or perform or record or whatever I'm doing. I mean, do you do you have anything like that or? Um, yeah, no, no, definitely. I mean, I, I, I yeah, I, I mean, I super remember those those times doing improv in high school. Mm-hmm. You know, on the on the stage where everybody ate lunch. I mm-hmm. really remember That's it as awesome. being. Um, yeah, just like 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 oh okay, this is something that I can do. Like mm-hmm. it being you know very formative and important. Um, so yeah, but no, and and kind of knowing how. 
how uh, rewarding that, um, you know, that collaborative relationship can be. Like, when you also collaborate on something with a friend. Sure. And it's kind of bonding you guys further, so... I'm going to ask you again, Mike. Please don't say no. I have nothing this time because I know you did a lot of theater. <laughs> Growing up with me, my my best friend Brian and I uh, got into doing comedy, both as performers, mm-hmm. um, th- comedy through this, in about ninth grade, Spanish club had a talent show every year. Mm-hmm. It was a Spanish club talent show to raise money uh-huh. for the Spanish club to go to, to Spain. Every year they sent people wow. to Spain. Wow, all right. So... Me and my buddy mm-hmm. at this time, John Leguizamo's House of Buggin' was on. Of course. Oh, and we sure. loved Thank that you. sketch show. We loved it. Oh, so we it. said, let's do Hispanic sketches. So, <gasps> oh no. And it went over like gangbusters. There was like four or five <laughs> Chicano military you, you didn't use shoe polish, did we you? Would, no, we didn't. We okay. didn't. We would go in and people laughing, realizing now they were <laughs> laughing at the racism that we didn't understand oh, what we were spelling. Yeah. We did it every year for four years. Oh we performed my God. different sketches, but we would find the best bits from House of Buggin' that we loved, and we would perform them. And yeah, they, were, these were like covers. These were covers. We didn't know that you were oh supposed to write gosh. your own stuff. Right. You know, we were performers. We and weren't writers. Sure, no, no, so yeah, we would yeah. go and we would do I these. Every, every like high school talent show has a couple of kids doing who's on. Yes. <laughs> and also, House of Buggin' wasn't known. It ran for a... 12 episodes and got canceled. So we had them all on VHS. So we would watch them over and over, had them all memorized, because I'm a huge Donald Gozamo fan even to this day. And we would do this, and that's why we bonded over that. And every year we would go back, and every year. After all, just to clarify, you were all white. Always. Uh, yeah, oh, this is upstate New York. Upstate this New York, yeah, yeah. yeah. And wow. our senior year was the first time we got any flack from anything. There was a Hispanic girl who said, I'm offended by your sketches. Well, you I didn't know why she was offended. It was, like a tradition. It was four, years four years. So every year, we would do five or six <laughs> sketches <laughs> from House of Buggin'. Yep. Oh my god, that's <laughs> yeah. crazy. Yeah. And we, we would love comedy. We just listened to me and Brian listen to it all the time. We would watch those sketches, SNL too, mm-hmm. but, but those specifically. And we kept going back to those for that show. Not that we didn't have other comedic influences, but it was the Spanish club. Yeah. So we have to do these sketches. You've had so many stories on this podcast about being racially insensitive <laughs> as a child. I know, and I wasn't because it was the opposite. To be honest, I was uh-huh. listening of to course. rap. I was the only kid in school sure. who had, I hate to say, I had a black friend, but you know, I was the only one who had the, 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 the two black kids who were in school. They were my best friends, too, yeah. you know? I was the only one, me and my family, we were the ones who weren't racist. Sure. So I didn't know this. Had I known, you know, had I known this was racially yeah. insensitive. No, and I think no, that's no, when no. you are, you know, as a white kid, like, when you do discover ethnic comedy, the House of Buggins, the uh, the culture clashes, yeah, right. the, or, you know, just the first... In Living Color. Color. I think oh, we all God. probably loved yeah. uh, Living, Living Color as kids. Awesome. Like, yeah, yeah. you, like... You learn that the difference between races are funny, yeah, um, sure. but you don't necessarily know yet how loaded, like how loaded those performances are. Yeah, yeah. it's different when a Hispanic guy is doing these characters because yep. he's right. He's picking, you know, he's pointing out the absurdity of the people who, you know. But when a white There's kid a is doing it, then you know, I wish I could say I was smart enough to know that I was also yeah picking on that absurdity. Right, but, right. But no, I didn't have that. But we bonded a lot over those sketches, and every year they asked us to come back. Of course, that's so funny. Like, adults asked you to come. The back Spanish you're like at that point, your your yearly your yearly sketch review ran longer than the show. Yeah. <laughs> We're out of House of Buggin sketches. There's only five of them. Well, we did the same one almost the end one we did every year, which was so amazing, which was. At the end, you come out after our costumes are off because we. Mm. I'm not even going to tell you what our oh, costumes were. Oh no! Were. Please, they were ponchos and some. No, no, we wore <laughs> jeans, but we wore the flannel that was buttoned at the top. <laughs> oh <laughs> no! Yeah. Oh, so. <laughs> So we'd come out at the end, we'd be dressed in suits, in the mm-hmm. last sketch, and we'd have holding, and we'd say, we're being serious, we're here to raise money, everybody, we want you to know the beautiful music playing in the background. It's like, every year, millions of innocent piñatas are slaughtered for their insides, mm-hmm. and we'd bring out a piñata right. with the thing and call the number 1-800-P-I-N-Y-A-T-A, uh-huh. and it was on this card. Every year we ended with yeah. that, and people would just go, piñata, we hand out hand around baskets and we put money in it, but it wasn't for that because they were giving money for the Spanish sure, club. But, of course, but we ended it with the same one every year. That was all House of Buggins stuff wow. that we performed. Yeah. Jordan, any racist stories? <laughs> from past? No, I was never that racist. Uh, <laughs> no, but I definitely, I, I definitely remember like 
you know, at you know the first times I heard Chris Rosh oh, or yeah, yeah. Uh, Murphy Raw or something like yeah. that, and then like wanting to repeat it to people, right? And, but not realizing that like no, those things that that play heavily off race are very political mm-hmm. and yep. they're super sensitive. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's something that you learn gradually. Uh, from from being in uh, maybe a touchy feely liberal arts college, right? But yeah, we used to. But it's just them. fun as a kid. It oh, was fun and sure. part of being a comedy nerd. Yeah, and I used to repeat them all the time. And I think the reason we would repeat all those, like Chris Tucker or like his early stand up sure. stuff, we'd repeat it because that was on a Comedy Central VHS that we mm-hmm. had. We repeat it over and over, and it was because. It was edgier stuff than a lot of the other stuff. We were trying to do the stuff that was different than what the yeah. kids listened to. Yeah. All the other kids were listening to Kinnison and Dice, which I oh. listened to Kinnison, but that's what they were listening to. And we weren't, that wasn't yeah. us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we were trying to yeah. listen to different, the reason that we chose the music we chose. And we were trying to carve out our niche, what, what we liked, you know? Yeah. I, I remember uh, I had one of my prized possessions as a kid was mm-hmm. a CD of the 1989 HBO comic relief, mm-hmm. oh. uh, and there was I think it was um, uh, George Lopez was uh-huh. on that, oh, wow. Holy shit. and he just had a zo- joke about like how come all ghosts are white? How come there's no black ghosts? And they <laughs> black ghosts would be all boom, motherfucker. Oh, and I love telling that joke to people. I because lo- it was so funny yeah, to me. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, just not realizing. <laughs> yeah. That, like wow, re- like yeah, that's yeah. a joke about black people from a Hispanic comedian. Yeah. You know, I think my parents were too sensitive. I kind of wish I'd have had that. I didn't have that as a kid. Where I look, my parents were way too. If I if I just said anything remotely offensive. You know, quote unquote offensive or too sensitive. I think I would have been, you know, chastised severely for it. I mean, I knew the words that were wrong. Sure, you know, you sure. don't say the n word, and you don't, you know, you don't say those words, and we didn't right. say yeah. those. No, no, no. Of so course. we cleaned it but up. I didn't even have that. What you're talking? Yeah. Talk, I, I enjoyed it. I might have shared it with some people. I'm trying to remember exactly when I I, I realized I wasn't supposed uh-huh. to share it with everyone. It, yeah. it might have been when I discovered Blazing Saddles, which you can tell uh-huh. I love. Um, but Papa uh, Jason. Well, shut up. <laughs> we are um, currently in a room with a giant blazing saddles poster. One of five that are in the house. Um, I thought it was crazy growing up that I didn't know that as a comedian you were supposed to write stuff. Uh-huh. Like, because I came from a background of performing. I'd been performing since I was ten years old in theater and stuff. So you just perform. So whenever That's I was shit. doing a sketch for anything, yeah. it was, ooh, let's watch SNL to find a sketch to do. Yeah, and, yeah, sure. Yeah, and we always tried yeah. to find one that no one knew. Like, that was the thing, because they're not going to laugh if they know well, it. Well, honestly, any kind of artist learns by what they see first. Yeah. They're imitating it in some way. Sure. Yeah. Even if it's, like, half theirs, half what they've seen. Mm-hmm. You know, at any any form, any musician starts with some covers. Any yeah. visual artist will sketch out what they see. Like it, that's natural. True. I I taught a uh, <clears throat> a sketch class to beginners kind mm-hmm. of recently, and they were all kind of they they uh, it was through an organization that does like theater classes for public schools. Awesome. So they were all theater kids. Mm-hmm. We're not comedy scene kids. Okay. Who just wanted to try sketch, and I kind of and this one kid just kind of changed a little bit, but wrote the Mr. Show sketch where the guys, the two kind of bros, get up in each other's face at the Uh bar, Mm -hmm. and then they keep being in each other's face because neither one of them will back down until they just agree to get married. Uh Uh, And he just wrote that, and but changed it a little bit. And I'm like, do you know this is a Mr. Show sketch? He's like, yo, yeah, I love that sketch. (laughs) Uh, So it was like, that is definitely something that I think just, you know, as a performer... And as a young person, you don't know that you can't do. I lost my lucky ball and chain. Now she's four years gone. She's five feet tall and sick of me. And all my rattling on. She threw away her baby top. I held on to my pride. But I was young and foolish then. I feel old and foolish now. Confidentially, she never called me baby.
because for me it was Cheech and Chong, like my best friend and I would just sit in a car, a busted out old car, listen to Cheech and Chong, then turn it, well, I think we read along with it, we, we, we would do the oh, exact funny. same thing, and then a lot of our characters, when we would do improv on cassette tapes, where I was doing Tommy Chong's stoner character half the time, and he was doing something else. And let's be clear, uh, neither of you smoked any drugs no, of any kind. No, never. <laughs> I, I didn't smoke pot for the first time until a couple months ago, so that's, yeah. Oh, wow. Never, yeah. That's pretty. That was interesting. It was quite a holdout. How was it? Uh, it blew my mind in, not in a, it wasn't the, it wasn't like, oh wow, I see, I, I, I think differently, which I, I was, I was very happy that it didn't change the way I see yeah, the world, you yeah, know? Sure. It was just, I felt like I was floating on a fucking cloud. That sure. was it. That, and, I, and I was like, this is great. This is better than I thought. I was nine beers in, too, though. Like, I was... Uh, <laughs> so you were fucked up already. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. decisions were made. Well, hey, you know, I was in a show. I do a show every month where I have to drink, where we do 80s movies, and uh, we do a reading. We do a, re- a stage reading on stage oh, of an fine. 80s movie. We get drunk. The audience gets drunk. And uh, what was I doing? Was that Scrooged? Where I was Bobcat? Yeah. Yeah, I think that was Scrooged. So it was the end of that, so... It was a good show, so I got really good. I just did heroin for the first time last night. Did you? Oh. the same way. It didn't make no, me think differently. Cloud. Oh, I know. Like cloud. I was on a cloud. Yeah. 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 Uh-huh. Yeah. It was a nice little circle we all, like, shared and... Right. That's, yeah, and that's talked pleasant. And that's good. I'm glad you had a, a yeah. good moment with it. Yeah. I did want to ask you, yes. uh, you went to UC Santa Cruz, right? Yes. At that point... Was, and I'm only bringing it up because I, I was staring at this Tom Lehrer album earlier. Was mm-hmm. he was he still teaching at the the, the college? When you were yeah, there? a famous a famous comedy uh, songster Tom Lehrer was a professor there. Uh, I did not have him for a class. Uh-huh. Um, um, the the guy I do my podcast with Jesse Thorne had him for a couple of did classes. He? So yeah, um, yeah, and I hear he was terrific. And I, I definitely kick myself a little bit that I didn't, you know try and make room in my schedule just to take a class from him. Right. I'm tempted to call him because his, his number is rather famously public. Uh-huh. And we'll take the call. Oh, funny. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I, to I, this uh, day? Yeah, apparently. Is I, it the Santa Cruz area code? Uh, I don't. I'd have to look it oh, up. Okay. Um, but I, yeah, yeah, like why would you just know that right. off the top of your head? No, but I mean, there. it is. I went to one of the basic websites. I won't say which, but I mean, it's easy enough. And I typed, I looked it up and... I checked with the guy who runs TomLehrer.org because I wanted, I'd love to at least talk to him for five minutes. Yeah. It'd be great to get to go. I'd fucking go to Santa Cruz get him on the podcast. Sure. I don't care. I've never um, been to Santa Cruz. I want to go to Santa Cruz. I w- I'd like to go to Santa, Santa Cruz, Cruz too. I've never been there. If you're looking to chill out, yeah. that's a good place to you do know, it. This is an awful movie, but it's one of my favorite movies of all time that I fell in love with when I was in college called Glory Days. Mm-hmm. That takes place in Santa Cruz. Have you ever seen that? Affleck? No, I, uh, I have Stewart, not seen Sam it. Sam Rockwell. But yeah. Ben what? Affleck. What? Yeah. What? What? Yeah. French part Stewart? of the kind of like this real? Kevin yeah. Smith fallout. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. This movie was like a yeah, I, I, low budget. It's not good, but it's uh-huh. I love it. Like Cruz. it's not bad when you watch it. It's not bad, and that makes me want to go to Santa Cruz all the time. I just want to go up there. Ben Affleck, one of his best performances he's ever had. Yeah. He plays a punk <laughs> uh-huh. who's like in this comic books. Yeah. Who's graduating and he's an art student and he's like, you ever wonder what happened to the overeducated, pampered white rich kids that the art schools churn out year after year? Oh, 90s well, I'm about to become one. Yeah, yeah. It was Clerks without the delicate. Exactly. Okay, exactly. okay. That sense. All right. Exactly. Without the, the velvet glove <laughs> of Kevin Smith. And I loved that movie since I was in New York, so I uh, never even know what Santa uh, Cruz was. Now I come out here and everyone's like, you got to go. And really? really? Like this movie. Yeah. I've only heard of Santa Cruz on, on Jordan's podcast. To be fair, that's the first time <laughs> I've heard anybody really? talk right. about it. And you guys talk about it a lot. Um, I'd say a fun beach town in Northern California. Very yeah. very stony, lots of lots of drum circles. How okay? So just you get your didgeridoo repaired there. <laughs> you have a busted didgeridoo. That's where you're gonna want to go. sticks too. Is that in the same place? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Your, you can get your rain stick re-beamed. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. That's good. Cool. <laughs> they head wear out. Sex. Yeah, yeah. Sure. So you need to get your feet well, out. that's what they do with the leftover beans from the the rain sticks. It's that's okay. Your, your hemp necklaces recharged. That place still exists. Like it's still mm-hmm. like that now. Uh, you know, I haven't been back in a couple of years, but yep. yes, it's exactly like that. <laughs> yeah, I think it's, it's always been a little bit To be fair, Oliana's got that flavor. It's, it's, it's filled it with hippy-dippy right. people. Right. We're from upstate New York. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're from an enclave, I feel like, of, like, one of the liberal enclaves of upstate yeah, New York. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, there's four colleges within a 20-mile radius. And yeah. It's like, you know. Yeah. You've got that many professors walking around. Some, you're going to get a contact high. That is true. <laughs> it's just bound to happen. Um, so here's how we usually end it. Um, yes. I usually like to ask my guests if they're going to... I hope that people listening to this are people who have not listened to They Might Be Giants before. Yes. 
uh, or who don't know a lot of comedy. So why would you tell somebody why they should listen to this album and, you know, maybe why they might want to listen to it for the sake of understanding comedy? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that, uh, I think that, you know, you know, just music nerds in general should probably listen to this because I think, like, at this point it is one of the important albums. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think Frank Black has said that it's one of his top three albums of all time. Mm -hmm. Uh, so yeah, definitely just, I think it's now just cemented itself, you know, in kind of the... Uh, rock music canon a little bit. Sure. Um, so yeah, no, and I think it's a great, it, it's a great example of how like fun, funness and darkness can coexist. Yeah. And it's like that something that's dark doesn't need to be bleak, and something that's fun doesn't have to be uh, goofy and sugary, um, pointless. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's mm -hmm. like those those two things can coexist perfectly and make a you know beautiful, wonderful thing, and not. They're, they don't have to be at odds with each other. Yeah. So, yeah. That's awesome. That's that's perfect. I'm going to make one more point, and that is um, I uh, had to get up very early because we're doing three podcasts today, mm -hmm. and uh, I had a dream that I was running late for the podcast, but while you were waiting around for us to record, you were prancing around in ladies' clothing, and I don't know why. Wow. You're putting on nice Victorian women's clothing. Yeah. Was my boater visible? <laughs> <laughs> and a nice hat. I was distracted by your hat, so huh. you may have, might have been. It was the fuck right. smell that made you dream that. It was the fuck smell. Yeah. You're just right. the, the I was permeates just all over all this furniture. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I was sleeping in the swing, so okay. that's why that happened. Um, well, thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having me. This, this was awesome. Um, sure. Again, Jen, thank you. You're welcome. Mike, thank you. Oh, of course. And Jordan, thank you. Thanks, Jordan. All right, everybody, have a fantastic time, and have a good thing. Bye. Hang on, hang on tight. Comedy on Vinyl is recorded at Fort Awesome Studios in beautiful downtown Burbank, California. Our producer is Mike Warden, our host is Jason Klom, and he's also the editor. Comedy on Vinyl is a stolen dress entertainment production. You can check out all of our other podcasts, books, videos, other audio stuff, probably some writing, at StolenDress.com. And uh, please check out Comedy on Vinyl at Facebook.com slash Comedy on Vinyl, Twitter.com slash Comedy on Vinyl. And please subscribe to us on iTunes, rate us highly, and spread the word. So that everyone needs to hang on tighter Just to keep from being thrown to the wolves Tabloid footprints in your hair Tabloid footprints everywhere